host, Julia, and welcome back to See You in My Next Life podcast, where I sit down to talk about some of your favorite manhwas. In this episode, we'll be covering the ins and outs of Kuroshi Ai, also known as Love of Kill, written and illustrated by Fe. Okay, so welcome back, everyone. I know it has been a couple of months, and gosh, it's been a crazy two months. For the most part, I did miss the month of December on uploads. I am so sorry about that, but here's why. As soon as I got done editing and uploading the episode for Men of the Harem and kind of making a schedule update, organizing it and being like, all right, great, I have something to stick to. As soon as I did that, I suddenly had the urge to go back to posting once every two weeks. I was like, Julia, you can't do that. You just switched it around. That would be absurd. And also unfair to you and your audience, so I just decided to take a break. And in my mind, I had plenty of time before I was going to release the next episode for December. Well, that didn't go as planned, because as soon as we hit December, life got crazy really fast. Part of December was midterms for me, another part was traveling, another was preparing for Christmas and New Year's. Happy New Year's, by the way. So by the time December got a to a close, I was like, oh shit, I forgot to upload. It's like December 30th and I don't even have my episode planned out. I don't even know what I'm going to do. There's no way that there's any time. Um, And so here we are. I basically took the entirety of January to prepare for this episode and December was just like a mini break for me because of everything that was going on. But it's 2022. This is the first episode for 2022. And it's hard to believe how fast 2021 has flown by. So crazy. I hope to those of you who have New Year's resolutions and goals for the upcoming year, you will execute those with passion and ease. And let's look forward to a great year. Without further ado, let's get into this month's episode. Okay, Kuroshi Ai. So, this one is crazy. I'm going to talk about some initial manga thoughts on this one. Exciting news. This manga is apparently being made into an anime of 2022. And I think the first episode or maybe the first couple of episodes are already out. Don't get mad at me for not watching it before doing this. I have read the manga. As far as it goes in the English language. So I'm not sure if the anime is planning to change some of the plot. Probably not. But yes, I haven't seen it. It's on my bucket list. I'm just, it kind of came as a surprise to me because the last time I checked back, it had it was a trailer and I was like, okay, cool. This is probably going to be a while before it comes out. And no, bam, it's already here. So that's kind of crazy. I... I'm especially keen on watching this one because one of my favorite Japanese voice actors is going is in it. Um, and he's also the voice actor for uh, Zenitsu Agatsuma from Demon Slayer. So that's really exciting. He's one of my favorites. So I'm sure he's going to play uh, the character of Ryangha very well. And I also want to point out that as much as I loved this manga, I was just a tad confused every other chapter. And I'm going to try my best to make it slightly less 
chaotic of an experience for you all than it was for me because I don't I don't even know I feel like you will underestimate just how confusing it is or maybe you already did if you've read the manga already you might have underestimated it or just not have known what to expect like I did and as soon as I started reading it I was like whoa let's slow down See, like, if I knew the main character, Chateau, I would be like, I am so sorry, but I'm going to have to leave because I don't want to get caught up in this mess. Because when I say it's a mess, it is a mess. And I know I've said this in other episodes before, but I feel like I have to reiterate that there will be spoilers for this. And I'm warning you ahead of time. Obviously, if you've read up to the latest chapter in English, which is 57 as of now, then there w- there's no problem. But if you've only read a bit or are planning on reading the manga or watching the anime, then I'd highly suggest you to pause right now and come back when you're finished if you really do care about spoilers, if they're, if they're going to ruin it for you. For those of you who have no clue what these stories are and just listen to this podcast to support me, Thank you so much. I appreciate you and you don't have to worry. I su- I sincerely hope you won't be confused by the roller coaster I'm about to take you on. So, the summary. Let's get into the official summary for the story and then I'm kind of going to add in some of my own pointers. The silent and stoic Chateau Dankworth is a bounty hunter. Her target, Sonit <laughs> I can't I can't pronounce these names. Okay. Her target, Son Son Son? It's not Sun. It's definitely not Sun. It's spelled Sun, but it's not Sun. It's a Korean name, and I I hate myself for not being able to pronounce it. Her target, Son Ryang-ha, a notorious killer known for killing 18 high-class officials on a single night. To this day, his murders remain swift, efficient, and bloody. However, after Son Ryang-ha overpowers Chateau in their first encounter, he reveals his own intentions. He too is after her, aiming for her <laughs> aiming for her heart. Okay. This this is yeah, when this was like the very first scene in the manga, and I remember being like, Whoa there, buddy, what is happening? It says here that he reveals his own intentions, but what's crazy is that I think out of everything, Ryang Ha's intentions are one of the most mysterious parts about this story. You never know what he truly wants, what he's actually up to, and what his intentions really are. They're never made clear. And he's always this very mysterious figure that just hides behind a mask. Uh, not a literal mask, but like a mask. A per- he has like this happy-go-lucky personality that he puts over his true personality. And I mean, maybe it is his true personality. But see, see where I'm going with this? We don't actually know what he's like. So that's why this summary that they have put together is, mm, I would say, not very accurate. But let's continue. So it says that, uh, yes, he too is after her aiming for her heart, and Ryang Ha's attempts to catch her eye are quite unique, to say the least. He offers gifts to her in the form of her current targets, tied up and battered, and will do anything to spend more time together. Reluctantly, Chateau goes along with this act, and so begins the cat-and-mouse game of love between two killers. So, I mean, keep in mind, this is the official summary, but I would say this is more a psycho- this is a- this is a psychological thriller on top of a romance. And 
the summary is like more romantic than the story actually is. It's kind of ironic and really amusing because I'm reading the summary and I'm like, really? Because this doesn't seem, this, this is kind of exaggerating it a bit. I think it's a lot more complicated than they're making it seem and it's definitely a lot more mystery and psychological in the sense of genre than it is romance. I think there's like a, a splash, like a pinch of romance in there. Is it the main idea? No, it is not. So the, so the fact that the summary is highly centered around that is a little off-putting. Like not in a bad way. I just think it can kind of mislead you if that's the very if that's the first thing and the only introduction you have to the story. So a deep dive. The cat and mouse game that the summary is talking about is quite an interesting dynamic because it's basically Ryangha just following Chateau around all the time. <laughs> there is no cat and mouse. I mean, okay, that is that is actually that is quite literally what a cat and mouse is. I'm pretty sure so Chateau's the mouse and Ryangha's the cat and he's like constantly chasing her, but not in the way that you'd expect because they say that the story is going to be like, oh, he's chasing after her romantically. But when he makes it seem that way in the story, it seems very hmm, kind of fake in the beginning. Like he's using the romance aspect of it as a ploy and a disguise, like a facade, to hide what he's truly following her for. And we figure that out later in the story. But in the beginning, I'm like, even in the beginning, it doesn't seem real. But it is interesting because it's, cause when he follows her around all the time, he's coming to her aid, basically. She's an assassin and so is he. He kind of just kills people on his own accord. He just works for himself. And Chateau works for an organization. So she's always going on these missions. And he kind of just follows her on these missions. And she's like, can you leave? And then he blackmails her. Wow, what a great dynamic. I know, I know, I know. You just, you just love me for this. <laughs> like I mentioned before, in the way that he's hiding a certain truth from her, we can see this more and more as dangerous situations continue to happen. Because it seems like Ryangha is maybe 50% following Chateau to keep her safe but also 50% so that he can kind of monitor her and make sure that she doesn't run into anyone or figure out a key fact that could lead her to make connections with the secret that he's trying to hide. Although it seems like his presence, more or less, is actually a magnet for her finding out this truth anyway. So maybe she wouldn't she, maybe she wouldn't find out this truth if he just left her alone. But because he's always there, it seems like he's attracting it, which is the exact opposite of what he wants. I'm going to get more into Ryangha's past, his childhood, later in the episode. But when we do examine his past, you're going to see that he was a really very serious boy, like a very serious child. And so... His happy-go-lucky personality is also interesting to me because I thought that's kind of how he truly was in the beginning. And then when we explore his past, we're like, oh, he wasn't always this way. And it seems like maybe he even adapted his personality to be this way to counteract Chateau's personality because she's actually very serious and doesn't smile, which is how he used to be 
In order to kind of counteract her personality, he constantly makes jokes and teases Chateau. But at the same time, maybe this is his way of trying to appear less intimidating and more friendly so that she can trust him which we can see she doesn't trust him in the beginning and I feel like for a really long time she still doesn't trust him because she doesn't believe that he just wants to help her or to stay by her side she does believe he has an ulterior motive and mm, he does he does (laughs) I mean this random person all of a sudden just wants to befriend you like of course that's suspicious of course you wouldn't believe that they just are doing it out of the goodness of their own heart so it makes sense but against her will I do think that she does start to open up to him the more he sticks around even though she continues to question why he's there and what he wants from her anyway which he always refuses to tell her and it just goes back and forth back and forth on these different missions with with her being like come on just like help me tell me and he's like I'm sorry I can't And eventually, in the end, she's kind of just like, okay, if you won't help me, then I'll do it myself. And I think that's when the whole secret is revealed. But we're going to get into that a little later. For now, that's just like the major overview, I think, of their relationship. Because it really does center on those two. There are a lot of other key characters that are added to spice up the plot a little bit. But for the main part, those two are the center of the story. So we have my notorious ground, we have my notorious favorite moments section of the podcast that we're going to get into. But of course, there is no favorite moment here. And there also is no surprising moment. Like I always change up the name of this section. It'll either be favorite moment or funniest moments or just best moments. And this time it's called groundbreaking moments. And even even if I rename it to groundbreaking moments, I'm just going to say that the whole story is a groundbreaking moment because everyone's life is a groundbreaking moment. That's why I said earlier that I would not want to be caught up in this mess because, you know, I don't think I can break anything down to a specific period where like it all just blows up because it, it just feels like it is a gradual progression and then at the very end it explodes. But, you know, it's like a grenade. You throw the grenade, it doesn't explode right away, it beeps a little bit, it's sizzling a little bit, and then it explodes. I mean, maybe there are some grenades that explode upon impact, but this this isn't that grenade. It's not that kind of grenade. It's the grenade that slowly deteriorates. But if I may say, though, uh, when Mr. Dankworth... Chateau's boss for the organization that she works at, when he gets stabbed in the neck... on the boat that they're on the cruise ship because of course they can't just have a lovely nice relaxing cruise ship there's got to be something going on so of course Mr. Dankworth gets stabbed in the neck and when this happens I genuinely thought that he was gonna die I I really I really did I mean who wouldn't right and I was bawling my eyes out at three in the damn morning for who knows how long thinking this man was going to die and he lives all along. He j- he he lives. And okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not mad. But like, what are the odds? What are the odds? Because apparently he was stabbed just right so that he was able to be patched up. And I'm happy that it turned out this way because obviously 
me, you know, crying indicates that I was sad about his death because I thought that he was a nice character and he didn't deserve to die. And so I was happy that it didn't turn out that way. But it's just like a weird feeling to sit there, you know, with swollen eyes, rethinking your life choices because you wasted tears on a fictional character for no reason at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just just imagine the realization. Like, you're crying, you're in the moment, you're like, oh no, Mr. Takeworth. And then the next panel comes and he's fine. He's in the helicopter. He's getting treatment. He's okay. And then you sit there and you're like, great. I wasted my tears for who? For what? I mean, I have a lot to spare, okay? I have plenty to spare. Um, but it still feels like I was backstabbed. And it was embarrassing. There was no one even there. But it was embarrassing for me. To be fair, I embarrassed myself so many times anyway. <laughs> so it was okay. Honestly, this manga scares me so many times. I mean, there's another character that gets shot in the head in the car. Or we think he gets shot in the head. Because there's a panel where this guy on a motorcycle rolls up to the window of a car, of the car he's driving. Not, not the same guy, not Mr. Dankworth. But another guy. And shoots him in the head through the glass. And then we just, and then the story ends. And then the chapter ends there. And I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? Like, why are they all being targeted? And then we see that he didn't get shot in the head. Or maybe, I think he did, but just like it grazed his skull because he ducked or something just the right way. I was like, you guys are escaping death. You're tricking, you're cheating death right now. And it's in, it's crazy because I don't know how you live your life every day with these dangers at your doorstep. Another groundbreaking moment I would say would be when Donnie is introduced. And it's kind of hard to go into detail, but when he is introduced, the whole plot just goes completely sideways. Bonkers, if I may use such vulgar language. Because, like, I mean, as soon as he comes in, things really do start to shift. Uh, Chateau basically gets slapped in the face with reality. And the mystery kind of just presents itself even more vividly than it had previously. And it jumps out at her to reveal that she's adopted, that her real family is still alive and running a secret organization on a secret island in the middle of nowhere. And I know that this sounds bizarre. And it is. It's not a bad plot. I know it, it sounds like, how are you able to incorporate all of those details and make the plot good? But the author really does a good job of making it good. Trust me. At least I think so. I just, I, it's all, it's all of this and more. And I get, <laughs> I get it. I get a kick out of exaggerating the nonsensical aspects of it. It's not this. I mean, it's, it's all of this, but more spread out. It's not like all of this in one. If it was, I think I would probably have a meltdown trying to read it and understand it. But to, I did actually already have a meltdown because I'm, I, I feel like I have a hard time explaining what this story is without taking three hours to go into every single plot point and specific detail that leads to the next major plot point. But we're trying our best here. So we're going to do characters in development a little earlier this time instead of saving it for last. We're going to do it now and then save the theories or not the theories, like the questions towards the end. 
just because my questions are based off of the kind of characters and their past, which is what I'm going to talk about, instead of doing an analysis on individual characters in the story like I usually do, I'm going to go into Ryangha and Chateau's relationship, their childhood more so, because I think that is a huge part of the story and the secret, the big reveal, the mystery that this uh, manga is revolved around. And like I mentioned earlier, the character list is not super huge for this manga, and the characters that are even really, really important whatsoever in this manga are even more limited. So that's why I am going to kind of skip over each individual personality, because there isn't too much to say. Like, we have Chateau, we have Ryangha, the two main characters. We have real Ryangha, which we're about to get into in a moment. We have Donnie. Oh my god! I just realized I made a mistake! Oh no! Oh no! Oh my goodness. I am so sorry. Oh my god, I guess I was putting together like my overall outline script like at who knows what time because I was apparently very tired. Okay, for the groundbreaking moments, you know how I said when Mr. Dankworth was stabbed? I meant Mr. Ritzland. Oh my god. Dankworth is Chateau's adopted father, who's actually kind of evil, so no, I would never cry for him. And yeah, I don't know, I, I got him mixed up. Mr. Ritzland is Chateau's boss at the company or the organization that she works at, and he was the one that got stabbed in the neck. So anytime I mentioned Dankworth up until this point, please know that I meant Mr. Ritzland. He's the one that all of this happened to. I am so sorry. I, I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice. Oh my god. But yeah, our character list basically consists of, and now I'm like looking at the character list and that's what made me realize. Thank goodness I had it there. But we have Chateau's father, List Noble, who ended up getting killed. Chateau Noble, who was always known as Chateau Dankworth because of her adopted father, Mr. Dankworth or Sunwoo Dankworth, who was like an evil detective. <laughs> Nika, which surprisingly and hilariously is the name of my friend's mini schnauzer, so I can never get over his name. Um, and I don't know what it is with me having a connection with like so many names in all of these manga and manhua that I'm reading. But anyway, Nika, he works for Donnie, and Donnie is the Donnie is like the head leader of an organization that works for Samuel Noble, the grandfather of Chateau Noble, and he kind of runs this, like, business or this, I don't know, secret thing that goes on on that island. Remember I, I mentioned that briefly? So Samuel Noble is, like, the head of that, and Donnie works for Samuel Noble. Uh, List Noble and Nelson no Noble are both Samuel Noble's sons, and Nelson Noble is List's jealous younger uh, stepbrother. I don't know if he's a stepbrother anymore, but... They're brothers, and there's like this whole thing with Nelson Noble, and I kind of don't even want to get into that because I don't think that I'm going to have a lot of time. I don't think Nelson is a good man by any means. I mean, I don't like wish death upon him or anything as a character, but like Chateau was confronted at some point in the story to kill Nelson, so like Donnie basically says... If you kill Nelson, like, you're free. I won't kill any of your- I won't kill your family. I won't 
harm you or your friends. You just have to kill Nelson, your uncle. Um, and she doesn't, not because she likes him as an uncle or because he's a good person, but just because of her morals. So I understand that. No, Nelson is just not a good father to his own son. Just not a great person. And List was a good person, but... I mean, Chateau's father, that is. But he was killed by Dankworth, by her adopted dad, which is so crazy. I mean, that was like one of the things that blew my mind. But that's that's literally basically all the important characters. And besides that, there's just Chateau and Ryangha, the two actually important characters. Then there's Indian Guy, and his name is actually quite literally Indian Guy. He's the guy that um, I thought got shot in the head in the car, but he didn't. I don't know, I, I have mixed feelings because he's a funny character. He is part of the company that Chateau works at. But I just think that it's weird that they called him, that the author called him Indian Guy. And I'm, I really feel like she should have given him a name. But anyway, I guess that's a topic for another day. Let's get into the past, because I think that that is definitely interesting. And it's going to include some of the details that I mentioned while reading the separate characters from their list. Like the whole thing with List Noble and then Sunwoo Dankworth and how he ended up killing him. And then Ryangha ended up killing Dankworth. So it's like this, oh man, it's such a loop. But before it gets too confusing, let's just go to the beginning. When... He was a kid. Son Ryangha, we know him as Son Ryangha, but from now on, from now on, I'm going to refer to him as Nameless Boy, because during his childhood he didn't have a name, and because there will be <laughs> two Ryanghas, we're gonna just have to have that distinction between them. So the the Son Ryangha that we know, the main the male lead of this story, we're gonna call him Nameless Boy. So when he was a kid. Nameless Boy got himself into a lot of kind of gangster street fighting. And I assume it was because he was trying to run away from the people who kidnapped him and beat him, which sounds a lot like human trafficking, to be honest. He was sold from person to person. And so he doesn't have an actual name. He gets called a lot of different names. He gets called Oliver... Um, and all sorts of names that switch around, but yeah, he never had an official name. And so one day he tries to escape from this because he get he's done. I mean, he, maybe he see, he sees an opportunity and he escapes. And he's running in these back alleys, and there's there's these men chasing him. And as this is happening, I mean, the guys end up catching him, and they start beating him with bats. And this boy named Ryangha, the real one, is passing by an alley, passing by the alley where all of this is happening, and hears the nameless boy screaming. Unable to turn a blind eye, real Ryangha runs to the boy's aid, and they both manage to escape together. They form a sort of relationship after a period of distrust, um, but one day when the two were at a train station together, real Ryangha receives a phone call from Donnie, because he was actually working for Donnie at the time, and is told to go find this little blonde girl in a suitcase. And so real Ryangha is kind of confused as to why there would be a little blonde girl in a suitcase, but he he accepts this because he doesn't really have any other choice, and he plans to do this alone, but the nameless boy decides to help search for her instead of getting on the train that he was scheduled to take. Once they find her, after a period of searching, they end up stealing her, and then they steal a car as well. 
against real Ryangha's wishes. But the nameless boy is like, how else are we going to escape? How else are we going to get out of here? So he ends up agreeing. The now kidnapped girl named Chateau starts crying in the back seat and she needs to go to the restroom as they're driving. And so they make a stop, but this drags attention to them as suspicious people because there's these two, I don't know, not even teenage boys with a small toddler driving a car, which they don't seem to be old enough to drive and is not registered under their name. So they definitely get labeled as suspicious. They have their license plate captured and a gang starts to follow them. But the boys are unaware of this, so they keep on driving. And Chateau is kind of really scared. Uh, Real Ryangha tries to comfort her by telling her, it's okay, you can trust us. I'm on your side, I'm not your enemy. Um, and eventually she ends up falling asleep. The real Ryangha is keeping an upbeat attitude about the situation, kind of like, it's okay, we'll figure this out, we'll keep her safe, but Nameless Boy is kind of like, why did why do we need to have her in the first place? He doesn't seem like he's very adept at dealing with children, so he kind of just keeps quiet the entire time, even though he doesn't understand why they needed to steal a child in the first place, uh, because he doesn't know who Donnie is. Uh, and has no idea what his plan is. But it all kind of makes sense now because Donnie was trying to find Chateau in order to bring her back to her family, kind of reunite her with her family, with her grandfather, now that her father is dead. The whole, re the whole reason that Chateau actually got in the suitcase in the first place was because her dad had two suitcases, one with money and another with Chateau in it, and he left Chateau... I think somewhere random in a random spot and just left her there and took the suitcase with money with him so that when uh, Mr. Dankworth and the other detectives find him, they shoot him and they open the, the bag expecting to find a child in there, but instead they don't. And they're like, oh crap, we got the wrong suitcase. But by then, Ryangha, the real one and nameless boy, have already found Chateau and stole her and are driving away with her. So that's how that happens. That's how Dankworth ends up killing List Noble. But besides Donnie, back to the boys driving the car. They arrive at an abandoned house on the side of a deserted road and just sit there for a bit, contemplating every crazy thing they did in the last 24 hours. Um, and Nameless Boy starts to form a small connection with Child Chateau as she kind of relies on him, not knowing what's going on. But a rift starts to form between Real Ryangha and Nameless Boy, since uh, Real Ryangha doesn't know if Nameless Boy is trustworthy. He may be thinking that, oh, he just led me here to give me away or to harm me. And so he points a gun at Nameless Boy, obviously not wanting to hurt him, but somehow trying to become intimidating. And so Nameless Boy is like, okay... Let's calm down. I I can see that I'm not wanted. And so he ends up leaving, thinking that he's better off on the streets anyway where he originally came from. Real Ryangha lets him leave at first, uh, but then decides to go after him, I don't know, to maybe apologize or to get him back. Um, but he has a hard time finding him on the street, and he leaves Chateau all alone in this house. While all of that was happening, like the rift that was forming between Real Ryangha and Nameless Boy... Chateau was just dozing off, but when she wakes up, there's no one in the house. 
She spots a small gun on the ground that was dropped by real Ryangha and takes it and hides in the closet. And she's really scared. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know where she is, who brought her here. And as soon as real Ryangha gets home, he notices that Chateau is missing from her sleeping spot and starts to call for her. Chateau doesn't recognize his voice and thinks he's an intruder. So when he opens the closet door that she's hiding in, she shoots him in the neck. The shot doesn't kill him, but he is bleeding profusely and he needs to find not only a new shelter, but probably a hospital as well. So he takes Chateau by her hand, puts her in the car and begins to drive with the bullet wound in his neck. One, one hand on his neck and the other on the wheel. And I don't even know how he managed to do this, but he clearly knows that he's running out of time. If he doesn't manage to make it, then he will die from bleeding out. Nameless Boy gets... So back to, back to Nameless Boy, he gets cornered on the streets by, a gang, by the gang that followed them there and quickly returns to the abandoned house only to find that no one is there and there are bloodstains on the floor. He runs out in horror and runs into the forest and kind of this battle scene commences between him and the gangsters um, who try to attack him. In which Nameless Boy comes out victorious, but not without wounds and broken limbs. I kind of assume that this is where he learns his gun skills, since we know later in the story that he's very talented at gunfighting. He's known for this as an assassin, but he passes out on the ground after he defeats them um, and gets found and taken to the hospital where he's you know treated for his wounds and broken limbs. But shortly after he wakes up, he is confronted by a policeman and told that real Ryangha was found dead at the wheel with a child in the back seat a few miles from where Nameless Boy was found passed out. Nameless Boy immediately gets agitated, asks him where he is, what happened to real Ryangha, but he was quickly shut down and told to forget real Ryangha and to also forget Chateau, the child in the back seat. Unfortunately, though, Nameless Boy was unable to do so. And after he was released from the hospital, he decides to take the name Son Ryangha in memory of his former friend, who was named Ryangha. We find out later that the policeman slash detective, who was Mr. Dankworth, uh, the man who killed Chateau's biological father, adopted Chateau after she was found in the backseat of the car with her memories lost. But he is later killed by Ryangha, previously the nameless boy. And I think at this point in time, Chateau still doesn't know that it was Ryangha who killed her adopted father, Mr. Dankworth. And I wonder how she's going to feel when she figures this out. Because I believe she also is unaware that Mr. Dankworth killed her biological father. So I wonder, you know, is she going to be angry that Mr. Dankworth killed her father? Now she can't even ask him why that is because Ryangha killed him. Um, is she going to hold resentment toward Ryangha because she still had a love for her adopted father regardless? I'm interested to see how this is going to play out. Ryangha definitely gives off uh, stalker vibes, like the current one, that is. Because, you know, he's been searching for Chateau for the past 20 years, 20 or so years of his life after they met once in a crazy situation. And... I can definitely see Ryangha's resolve because his friend died and he's trying to find the last bit of his past by finding Chateau. But now they managed to form a relationship. And so I wonder if 
maybe Ryang Ha really does truly care for Chateau, or if he still sees her as kind of a key to unlock that part of his past. Because of all that happened in their childhood, Ryang Ha just couldn't move on. Due to Chateau's memory loss, she had no idea who he was at first, or that they had met when they were children, but it all came rushing back to her when Ryangha revealed that he'd been searching for her this entire time, and she starts getting a rush of memories and flashbacks, and she collapses, and she's like, oh my god. Um, and I can just imagine how jolting and startling that must have been for her. But ever since that moment, it was a gateway into figuring out more about Chateau's family background that she was separated from as a child. And um, I guess as traumatic as all of this was, you could say that the entire endeavor brought the two closer together, even decades later, in an encounter that you'd least expect. Okay, so questions. Normally, this section is called theories, but I'm going to put it as questions and not theories, because 95% of the relationships and motives in this manga are very questionable. So I feel like I just kind of want to sit down and ask a question in a very straightforward manner. That's the only way to get around this. So the first one I have is, why does Ryangha care about Chateau's well-being? Because I, th I do think it's adorable that he cares. But it is clearly portrayed, but he is clearly portrayed as a character who doesn't care about anyone and would kill if needed, even if that means killing a co-worker or killing someone that he'd had a relationship with for years because he just doesn't care about them. On top of that, she killed his friend when they were younger. And I mean quote-unquote friend, real Ryangha and current Ryangha didn't really know each other all that well or for a very long time when this happened, but I do think that they were getting closer and then Chateau just comes in and shoots him in the neck. So I mean, even if it was an accident, and she does feel very regretful and she apologizes to Ryangha multiple times for killing his friend and expressing a huge amount of grief and sorrow for doing so, most people would still harbor feelings of resentment and even if they would forgive that person, I doubt they would try to become their friend <laughs> or even boyfriend. But instead of feeling angry at Chateau, he looks for her for 20 years and then proceeds to look after her, protect her, save her on multiple occasions. So I do wonder what he's thinking and what his thought process on all of this is. Because he may be just a little crazy, I think since I don't really believe he sees life as something of importance. He sees Chateau's life as something of importance, but not really anyone else's. But I do want to know, and I kind of want to hear it from him or from the author, why is it that Ryangha values Chateau's life more than everyone else's? Because like I said earlier, he just doesn't know her that well. Or he didn't. He got to know her in the manga, but in the very beginning, he barely knew her at all. And number two was, why was Chateau's adopted father, Mr. Dankworth, on a mission to kill her biological father, uh, List Noble? Because it just seems odd that they had a connection. Uh, was it just pure coincidence? Was he a part of an organization that was trying to bring Chateau back to her family? Was her father trying to escape from Mr. Dankworth's organization? Or, you know, why was this the case? Um, because it didn't seem personal 
It didn't seem like a personal situation, but I wonder if he even knew that there was a child in the suitcase in the first place. Because I, I don't know, Mr. Jankworth just doesn't seem, or he didn't, seem like the kind of a guy to kill a man with a child and leave her an orphan. But I may be misjudging his character. He may be a lot more evil than I anticipated. Because he did, he showed a lot of love to Chateau. But what I think is interesting is that I don't think that Chateau and List Noble are connected. I think that Mr. Dankworth thought that the child in the suitcase that belonged to Mr. Noble was a completely different child from Chateau. And it would be interesting to see his reaction if someone were to tell him that they were the same child. <laughs> but unfortunately, he died before he was able to find out. All in all, I enjoyed the adventures these two go on, and as time goes on, the relationship positively progresses. There are a lot of cute moments on top of the very dark and edgy and brooding moments in this manga. There are a lot of adorable ones as well. It's not light. It's not a light read by any means, and it definitely explains the psychological thriller part of the genre, but I really did enjoy it nonetheless. Of course, above all else, What's to love if it isn't the way Ryangha holds his gun? <laughs> I just had to mention this. It didn't really associate with any of the other topics I was mentioning about this manga, but I just had to talk about it at the end. Was that Ryangha holds his gun upside down and sideways. And I mean, that's the way to go. Am I right or am I right? Because who cares if that's the most uncomfortable and inconvenient way imaginable to hold a gun because it you know, because it just, it looks cool and it looks sexy. And if it's cool and sexy, then it ranks number one. <laughs> above comfort, above convenience, and above safety. <laughs> I wish I could insert photos of him holding a gun. You just have to Google it. You can just Google it if you want to. <laughs> or if you've read it, you know exactly what I mean. He just, he, and I, I just know that it just looks cool, right? Like if, if you see someone holding a gun in a panel, they just look very dark when they're holding it, you know, with one hand and it's sideways and they have, you know, one hand on their hip. All of that looks amazing, but it just isn't practical. I don't think I would trust Ryangha to teach me gun self-defense because I'm not quite sure if I would be able to learn anything useful from his classes. Although it seems like the way that he's doing it works for him. So if it works for him, then that's that's all that matters. In terms of recommendations, because I do actually want to give a recommendation for a manga that I would think is kind of similar to this one. If you like psychological thrillers um, without the romance and with, mm, I'd say, a morally gray aspect to it, then I would recommend the anime Angel's Death. I decided to watch it one day without a synopsis of the show, somehow convinced it was a romance anime, and was utterly shocked to find out that it was, in fact, not <laughs> an anime of the romance genre whatsoever. Um, it was the complete opposite, but I was actually very hooked by it, couldn't stop watching, so I think that everyone should give it a try, regardless of what genre they're drawn to. At least the first episode. Just see if the first episode draws you in. If it doesn't, that's fine. But if it does, well then you can thank me later. Thank you so much for listening. I may need to go grab a cup of coffee now. Gosh, it's been such a long week. 
I mean, I got sick a while back. That messed up my schedule even more. And I do want to let y'all know that if I ever go off schedule in the case that it happened for December, it's probably because I got suddenly very busy or just decided to take a break. Um, I normally don't post updates on social media. It just ends up slipping my mind. But if you want to prod me for an update or ask me a question or let me know what your thoughts are on the podcast, then please feel free to message me on Instagram or on any other platform because I really do appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day or night and I'll see you in the next episode. Till next time!